welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana share their stories. In today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Daniel Sanchez, co-founder of 21B, a Slack consulting business. Daniel talks us through his early career, his roles in the Salesforce ecosystem, where he first worked with Slack, and if he saw the Salesforce acquisition coming. Daniel shares where the idea for 21B came from and what he has seen post-acquisition that has encouraged him to build a consulting business focused on Slack. We discuss what a typical Slack project looks like, what skills are required to implement and support Slack, and what Daniel is seeing as some of the best use cases for the product. Finally, Daniel explains where he anticipates further enhancements of the Slack platform, how he is enjoying his own entrepreneurial journey, and where he sees opportunities for 21B in the future. I hope you enjoy the episode. Daniel, welcome to Talent Hub Talk. Hey, bud. How are you doing today? Good, good. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. It's uh, it's always good to connect with new people in the ecosystem. And, and definitely for this episode, I'm excited to explore a new topic because we've not really delved into to your world, the world of Slack before. Well, great. I'm really happy to be here. Well, obviously, we'll, we'll go into Slack and, uh, and more about the product, the platform, uh, the world of you know, Salesforce acquisitions and so on. But I, I always like to start a bit more with your background and, you know, before you kind of moved into this space. So what, what did your early career like? And then how did you find your way into the world of Salesforce? Absolutely. Yeah. So I started my career, graduated in civil engineering in 2008. Wasn't a great time for really much in 2008. So I um, was finding that uh, a better place for me was software long-term. A better place was something that I could work remotely or just, um, not on-site, like construction. So I was looking into software. I got into a software company, did QA for them, kind of entry level. And then after a few years of that, moved to New York and got into Salesforce Consulting. That's where I worked for Blue Wolf and Silverline. That's where I really cut my teeth, got a lot of experience in the ecosystem, the industry, learned a whole lot. And then post those two, when I worked at a product company, a Salesforce app exchange company, helped run their engineering team, helped kind of organize the, the team there. And then after that, I realized uh, there was a gap in the Slack consulting market, which probably didn't exist before that time. And so I kind of moved on to that recently. So your early career and, and your move into consulting was always in that QA space. Like, were you ever like a dev? Did you ever do any kind of hands-on Salesforce implementation work? Or was it always on the, the QA side? Yeah, great question. So that we, because of the fact that QA is typically not a single full-time position. There was some points where configuration was required, right, or helping hands-on the keyboard, especially during UATs and go-lives, things like that. And then from a consulting perspective, it made a lot of sense to provide customers with the context of what we've seen work and what doesn't work, what works for a go-live, what works for a UAT. So that's really where I learned how to work with customers and, and even customer QA teams to help understand how is it actually going to work for your team? How do we optimize it for your team? So Learned a lot about consulting there. An additional point you kind of mentioned is doing development. So maybe not Apex development. I did learn to read Apex. I did learn a lot about coding. Previously, I'd done HTML and CSS and JavaScript, stuff like that. But in test automation, we also did implement JavaScript and uh, Selenium 
test automation for customers. So if a customer wanted to make sure that their system worked properly, we would automate it for them. Mm-hmm. So you went into that engineering lead role. Was that quite a natural progression? Like, did you always enjoy managing people and, and taking on that kind of leadership role? Yeah, it was, uh, let's call it a stretch goal for me. It was something that I hadn't done really before, but what I did really well and what anyone would tell you who worked with me there is process. Very focused on how do we get from start to finish. I think that just goes back to consulting because you get a sales scope and you have to deliver it. How do we figure out what was missing in the scope, what is in the scope, what's actually required? And you only kind of learn those things once you get in there and be able to put processes into place, engineering processes, development process, product process. Felt really natural for me, even though I hadn't really done it up to that point. Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously the natural progression into an engineering lead role is quite often from an engineering background, like having been hands-on. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting to know that you've made that move and, and thrived in that role without necessarily having to have that background. Absolutely. It was a piece of being able to recognize where you're strong and where you're not as strong and being able to have people on the team to help support you in those roles and really face it head on. So it was a super technical task, something that I wasn't that experienced with. I had people that I knew could help me with it. But if it was process-based, delivery-based, that's where my consulting background kind of kicked into play. And I knew exactly what we should be doing or what we should try to be doing better. Yeah, we'll explore your entrepreneurial journey later. But I guess that kind of is all about like being a business owner as well as understanding where you're strong and where you're not and finding people around you that, that can help plug the gaps that you have, right? So that's something you kind of knew you were good at. Absolutely. Yep. So tell me, when when was the first ever time you used Slack or, or even heard of Slack? Actually, in the consulting days, we were using HipChat, I believe, or Google Chat, maybe a long time ago. And we basically was an end user. You know, I came in and I was like, well, this is a lot more extensive than the other chat tools because the other chat tools at that point were AIM, you know, AOL is the messenger, some version of that, just flat text. And there was a bunch of other features there. And I thought, hey, this is an interesting tool. This could really change the way we work. Even at that point, just purely based on the fact that it was a little bit more feature-rich than what existed at the time. So you were in the Salesforce ecosystem at that time, um, obviously utilizing the product internally. But did you ever ever look at it back then and say, oh, this would be a good uh, acquisition for Salesforce? I did not. At that time, I wasn't that connected or plugged in, I would say, into the forward-facing feature development that is Salesforce and what it means ecosystem-wide. But I did, as I progressed in using it, I started as an end user. As I progressed in using it, I started getting onto the admin side and started saying, okay, well, there's apps for this. Okay, well, now we can automate whole business processes through it. And I think it's still in its infancy now. But even at that point, you start to change the way you think about it, which changes the way you work. We're not just synchronously DMing each other. We are automating whole processes through clicks of buttons and stuff like that. So it was easy for me with the consulting background, with knowing that automation in Salesforce is a thing to pick up Slack, see that it could also be used for automation long-term. That's what got me really excited about it as I started learning that. And do you think it helped that you were in a product business at that time in terms of like understanding different products and, and looking at different use cases of products that you're working with rather than if, if you were working in, you know, if you were just someone that was utilizing a product in a big end customer, as an example, do you think you would have necessarily seen the power of it at that stage? I don't think so. I like to thank consulting and, and my experience across all the different customers I worked on, all the different industries and verticals that I worked on for really giving a good breath and understanding of there's so much that companies do in different ways that are extendable based on their business process and, and automatable 
that's a word, based on their business process, that if you're just working at a single product company, which I did for a little bit, you get not only focused on that, but it's hard to step out of that box when you're working 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, only on that product to be able to understand how other customers are using certain things. So absolutely, I think consulting is a great place for people to, again, cut their teeth or get that experience so that they get a bigger idea of what the ecosystem is in general. Mm Mm-hmm. So when Salesforce announced the acquisition of Slack, how do you feel the market reacted and what was your reaction? I reacted excited because I I knew that there was a way for those tools to work together. And with that investment from Salesforce, obviously they're going to improve and optimize for that integration and, and make it native to Salesforce. So from that perspective, it was great. And I think the ecosystem responded to that way, right? Excitement. And then in general, what you have seen from Salesforce Previously was, if you go back and look, they were really trying to drive community engagement, engagement within Salesforce orgs through chatter. And once that happened, there was kind of a switch to say, well, Salesforce is now with Slack and Slack is not front-facing UI. So it started to change the way you think about engagement in Salesforce. And I think even when they were talking about the acquisition or doing the acquisition, that was a piece of it that really could change Salesforce's trajectory long-term. If you've ever talked to anyone who used Chatter, it works. It's not amazing. It's not the best solution, potentially. But you use Slack compared to Chatter. Like, I think that's where people in the industry saw, okay, well, it makes sense. It makes sense why Slack would get acquired by Salesforce. Yeah, I think it was an interesting time. This It was obviously an expensive acquisition, and there were some people scratching their head as to how it would kind of integrate or how it would be utilized. But yeah, I think now... There's obviously a lot more buy-in. And I still think there's a lot of people unsure as to the power you can get from utilizing both. And um, obviously, we'll explore that as well. But at what point did you think, you know, this is actually a business idea here? You know, since the acquisition, what did you see that made you comfortable that there was a business to be had from Slack Consulting? Matt, Roy, and I, my partner, we we basically went in and we looked at, okay, well, is, is this a viable business model to have, right? It, our data points were that we knew worked was Salesforce Consulting Partner Network. So we know that Salesforce business model operates in a way that when you buy Salesforce licenses, you can go to Salesforce for professional services to get kind of additional help as you implement Salesforce. That model works the same way for other companies that they've acquired, right? Marketing Cloud, uh, MuleSoft, they have expertise internal for that. There's also a whole partner network that implements them. So we saw, okay, well, they didn't spend the most money you know, in a tech acquisition ever to not have a services layer on top of this. So we went out and said, okay, well, who's doing this? Who's doing this now? Who's doing it in the future? Checked out websites, um, looked at competitors that we spent some time researching and realized there is a market here for this. There is people doing it today, right? Smaller agencies typically that had other business offerings. They were never strategically focused only on Slack. They would do, you know, web development, mobile development, and then on the side, they do Slack. So we saw some of those. And then we saw some of the global companies that had articles about Slack. They were looking into it. And you could tell that it was moving that way. So that gave us the green light to say, okay, let's go to the next step. Let's, let's really, let's get this moving. Did it exist before the acquisition though, in terms of like consulting? Was Slack always seen as a bit of like plug and play? You know, you, you buy it with your credit card. It's just off the shelf. Because I think a lot of people, you'll speak to customers of Salesforce and they sometimes think that Salesforce is just, you know, plug and play and you don't need an admin to support it. And and I guess it would be even more so on, on the Slack because it can be, you know, utilized, you, you can start threads and, and a lot of people would just see it as that. So was there a consulting, you know, were people doing Slack implementations prior to the Salesforce acquisition? 
A great question. I think the answer is probably no. I think in most cases, the teams that were leveraging any of the, let's say, really powerful pieces of Slack were engineering teams or product teams. Again, it's kind of my background. They were using it to integrate with their product management tools, say Jira. We're using it as part of their pipeline notification. So the teams that were using it powerfully back then were the tech teams, which you would expect, who are the ones that were adopting it. Post-acquisition or even maybe leading up to the acquisition, I think there was a real uh, push for understanding that, hey, if, if these other teams, everything is API-based. If these other teams are leveraging these things with tools that have APIs and building this cool stuff, why can't we do this for sales? Why can't we do this for service? Why can't we do this for healthcare? And so that's, I think, where the excitement came right around that acquisition time to start to give people the idea of, okay, well, it's not just a, a messaging tool. There's something else here because we've seen engineering teams do it or product teams do it. It really is an education piece, right? Because like even before we were talking about you being a guest on the podcast and, and we had a chat and I said, I'll email you the questions and you were like, you, you can Slack them to me. <laughs> and to me, that yeah. wasn't even a consideration. Like, I'd not even thought about the fact that I could just Slack the questions to you because to me, I think of Slack as like an internal product. Like it's something I collaborate with my colleague on and you know I, I share messages between her and myself on Slack. But yeah, to think of externally, I could message you and it just is going to take time for non-product and non-tech people to kind of see it as that. Exactly right. I mean, and, and I like to akin or think about it in an iMessage way, right? iMessage is ubiquitous with a blue bubble. You, you know, you have group text with people that are on iMessage and it's blue bubble. And it's like, okay, well, I don't even want to talk to people who don't have an iPhone because it's a green text. And you know, and it's like that whole thought process. Like at the beginning, it was just like, I'm just happy to send a text message. That's great. But now you've been programmed to think, okay, well, iMessage first and then you have WhatsApp and all, like the, the way you even think about communication from a business perspective to your point is, well, it's all internal. Well, not with Slack. Slack connects to customers, connects to other people through Slack Connect, through partners. So exactly right. What we're trying to do with some of the content we produce is help people get to water faster. We can lead you to water, but we can't make you drink, but we can at least tell you what's possible and start to try to change your mindset of what Slack is and what's possible in it. And so what, what is a typical project right now? Like if, if a customer comes to you and says, we're exploring different use cases with Slack, what, what does a, a project look like for you? We have a few that we really focus on and, and ones that we've seen, especially now. So we started it last year. So 2022, late 2021. And so what we've seen is there are a lot of people that are using Slack who aren't using it outside of DMs. So they got it during COVID. They got it as a communication layer between their teams, but They've never really put someone strategically in charge of it. To your point previously, they never thought about it as a tool that needs management or administration. And so on those, we come in and we can help, right? We audit, that's what we call it, or a relaunch, right? Really kick it off, try to get the engagement back up. So that's a big one that we see a lot of is just, what's the ROI here? You know, is it just an IM tool? Because if it's just an IM tool, we have Google, we can use Gchat. Let's really optimize it for what it's good at. That's a big one. And then we've also recently, in the last couple of months, take up in custom development. So being able to, as an example, a, a company has an app exchange product that lives in Salesforce, but they also realize and recognize that companies and customers now want a Slack component to that, but they don't have the Slack development knowledge internally. They come to us and they say, hey, can you help us build a Slack app? And we'll basically work with them to make sure that their managed package like communicates with Slack. And then fully custom bots out of the box. We just did one recently with ChatGPT and it's really straightforward. Just helps the customer write content for SEO through their Slack. So they don't even have to leave Slack while they're thinking through content ideas or blog posts. 
That, that's one of my favorite ones because they're just going crazy with it over there. So, and it's one of those things where, again, you're not thinking about that for Slack because Slack is a DM tool, but it's not. If you have an app that all you have to do is app mention and say, hey, can you rephrase this, this question? Or there's a lot of power in that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I would never think of that as a potential option. So in terms of skill sets then, because I, I saw one of your posts on LinkedIn recently about, you know, people are asking, are there specific skill sets now in the, the world of Slack? And obviously a lot of listeners to this will know, you know, we have Salesforce developers that know Apex and Lightning Web Components and so on. If we come into your world, like what are the, you mentioned companies need someone to support their platform and their product. So what typically are the Slack skill sets that are now in demand, but also will become more in demand? So there's three that really overlap well. There's admin, developer, and consultant. So similar to Salesforce certifications, right? You know, now there's like 20, 30 certifications. But previously, think about like a Salesforce administrator, Salesforce developer, and then a consultant. It's it's basically those are the three buckets that we've seen. And we've even seen on my post, people, recruiters reach out to see if we have Slack developers that are available full-time. To basically for a company do what I just said, build full custom integration apps to either backend systems that don't have out of the box apps or legacy systems that may again don't have Slack apps. And so the what what we see as far as a career path or a trajectory for this, right, is we we know that Slack administration is a thing. It's getting passed off to people in the company who don't really know Slack. So we encourage anyone who's in an ops role, maybe since an HR is managing their Slack as a side thing to go and take the admin exam. Go get some Slack skills badges, take the admin exam, get familiar with it because then you can really get some power out of it. On the developer side, this is one where if you're integrating with backend systems, great thing to understand. You can do that internally for your company. And again, externally, companies are starting to hire this as individual roles, system, Slack developer. And then there's consulting, which is companies like ours, right? Kind of across the board. We can do admin, we can do dev. There's a third piece of that, which is really kind of uh, more based around async work, digital first work. How do I take a company who was working in an office and had meeting rooms and did all this and, and make them an actual digital HQ where people know where stuff is, they know how to communicate and collaborate. So the consulting side is a little bit more theoretical and based on kind of learning what digital first work looks like. The other two are more tangible in a, a standard admin or dev way that makes sense it's interesting so they're like traffic badges now for slack and um and like to get certified are their their ways of, of getting the information online like typically you know in the salesforce world everything's in trailhead but is that now the same for slack yep yeah so the slackcertified.com is the best place we always recommend people start there's badges there and those badges are pretty close to one-to-one -one with the uh trailhead badges for slack so those are the places we suggest to start those are free they have short quizzes at the end just like trailhead and then from there is the certification on slackcertified.com. I guess it's challenging for different levels of different people, but for someone coming in cold, hasn't administered Slack before, is it realistic that they can become an admin relatively quickly? For a certified Slack admin? Yes, I think so. So one differentiator between the admin and the consulting exam and the kind of overall differentiator is the admin exam. And so the badges are mostly meant for administrating single workspaces. So in most cases, that's what most people are experienced with. A single workspace where everyone in your company is. Slack for large enterprise companies has a thing called Enterprise Grid, where you can have any number of unlimited workspaces. So you have workspace for sales, you have workspace for service, you have workspace for external customers, for partners. And so the way the badges, the certifications are set up, 
the Slack admin is really for that small use case. You're an admin of a small company, maybe a couple hundred, maybe under a hundred. That's a great one for that. If you're looking for administering a, an enterprise grid instance, we're talking thousands of employees, a global company, then you would want the Slack consulting because that really goes into the details of what an enterprise grid implementation requires. So to answer your question, administrator, definitely, I think you could pick that up and learn it fairly quickly. And it's another, even if someone, you know, is, um, isn't necessarily doing the role right now, but like you said, they're in ops or they're, they're looking to make their skill set more in demand or valuable, like it would be because so many companies are using Slack, right? Just having that certification, even if you're not applying necessarily for a Slack admin role, you know, the company might not even realize they need someone in that position. And that's absolutely right. When we work with customers, those are typically the people who are responsive to this and just Again, just opening their eyes to what's possible because typically these people don't have a ton of time. If you're operating in a 40-hour work week, we can come in and say, hey, do a few badges, do the administrator thing. And I'm sure you can open up a whole world, a backlog of things you can do to optimize your Slack. And you're providing value not only for yourself long-term in the career path, there's only going to continue to go like this, but for your company. And so I think it, it'll show value in multiple ways. You mentioned um, one one exciting integration that you've been working on recently with the chat GPT um, for one customer, but... Can you tell me um, some like other exciting use cases you've seen and the value that businesses are getting from it by using it as more than just an instant messaging tool? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I got uh, two I can think of. So we have a customer who is basically using a web form, a Salesforce web form to capture leads. And the goal was to get them all the leads into one place, Salesforce, and then be able to action those leads and contact them as soon as possible, get quotes to them in a kind of field service type of way, but a sense to be able to communicate with them as soon as possible. So what we've set up is a web form on their site. Once the lead fills out their information and lands in Salesforce, we've set it up so that once it lands in there, it sends it to Slack. All their agents are just in Slack. They get a lead notification. From the lead notification, they can basically work the lead all in Slack, and then they can convert the lead just by clicking a pick list. It then converts it in Salesforce. And then once it spins up some of the information after conversion, it spins up a new channel in Slack and directly from Slack, the agent can go and send a message to them. So we're talking about, we've tested it for under five, 10 seconds from the lead submitting the form on the website to getting that first text message that we can automate. We've improved their process hundreds of times over because before it was basically all manual. Now most of it is automated. Yeah, awesome. And you mentioned there's a second case. Yeah, the second case is a very similar type uh, company uses it for, again, lead management. The goal for both these customers, and I think the companies we work with, is a Slack-first approach. So they shouldn't need to log any other tools to be able to get the value or be able to work the process. And so in this case, again, the lead lands in a channel. But in this case, they, they don't go text message, they go email. So there's a bunch of buttons on the actual record as it lands in there. Same idea. It goes to Salesforce, comes over to Slack, buttons on the record to email certain things. Emails land back in that channel so they can action them. If decides they want to proceed with whatever the, the service is, they can then convert the lead directly in that channel by clicking a button that closes that channel and creates a new channel with all the information. It pins certain information, right? And so from there, they can work that customer or client to the end and then, again, cleans up the need for them to do a bunch of this manual data updating in Salesforce because the agents that are working these leads can just click buttons on Slack. Who do you see like driving this um, in terms of wanting everything in Slack? In this instance, is it the CEO just is driving it? They're a smaller business or is it the sales manager wants everything in Slack and that's why they're, you know, favoring working in Slack over Salesforce? Like who, who's steering that? 
That's a great question. What we've seen really, it's the executive or leadership level who has bought in. We've seen less success with when it's, let's say, from the ground or from the non-leadership level, because then they have to sell the value to their leadership team. And that takes a little bit longer. The best customers we work with kind of have it top down and bottom up. Both ways agree that this is where they want to live. It's where they want to do it. And they know they can see the power in it. It's a little bit more difficult when you're dealing with someone who had to have that aha moment of saying, okay, well, I can do something in Slack and it updates Salesforce. So that's, that's a harder sell there. Yeah. We also um, had a chat before about, you know, I, I had my first Slack integration um, recommendation this week with a, a marketing automation platform that we work with and Slack um, to, to send reports from the marketing automation platform to Slack at a certain time every day. And I, I mentioned to you, one of my frustrations with that is like, I'll click on it and then you have to log into the marketing automation platform on your phone to see the report. Do you see a lot of that at the moment? And do you see that changing with a lot of these integrations? Yeah, absolutely. Even when you look at the out-of-the-box Salesforce for Slack apps, there's still a lot to be desired there. So most of them kind of out of the box, minus the sales and service, which are the two most built out apps and integrations. Some of the other ones are still very basic. You trigger something in Salesforce, which could be a record trigger. It sends a notification, but when you get the notification, it's usually a single line of text. You have to click something to go back to Salesforce to see everything else. The future of that right? The idea, and I think everyone can see it when you start thinking about that as well, to your point, I just want to see what I want to see in Salesforce. So that's why we see a lot of private, say, third-party companies building apps that do exactly that, while Salesforce is still kind of figuring out what that might look like, right, into 2023 for their, for their out-of-the-box or native apps. So it would be like, rather than me having to go into the marketing automation platform, I would just see a snapshot of the report in Slack, never have to leave. Exactly. And every day that's just updated instantly without me needing to action anything. Exactly. And then you start to think about that across all your apps and all your things. And you start, that's where our vision of really 21B is. It's, imagine the world like that, where all your tools are integrated in that way, where you only have to log into them occasionally, maybe to do configuration, update a set of notifications or a set of flows, right? But in general, you should be able to do 80% of your work directly in Slack by clicking buttons and seeing things. That's where we think the most power is. And that's where we try to go with our customers. What else can we get into Slack? How else can we automate the processes so you don't have to be between 15 different tools each week to do your work? Have you found that Salesforce themselves are quite open to feedback and suggestions? Because there can't be many other people that are so embedded in this community and using and working with Slack daily like you are with different customers and seeing different use cases. Have you been able to say, look, you know, we, we need this or th this feature or this this needs to improve like have they taken that kind of on board i think based on the recent changes to salesforce it's been difficult to kind of open that up and just even strategy wise what long term it looks like we don't get too much visibility on the salesforce side on the slack side i will say there is great uh visibility we've been able to partner with them on pilot and uh we'll talk a little bit about it i guess in a second but what's next right so as we start to think about the vision of what a slack first company looks like how do we get them excited about not what's existing now, but what's going to exist in six months or a year or two years? What's on the roadmap? What really gets you excited about it? That's been great to do because we can talk to customers about things that aren't even out yet and actually demo it to them because we have some pilot enabled in artwork. Yeah, awesome. I mean, that does lead nicely into the next question. You, you spoke about what your vision is for Slack and, and you know everyone working from it, but where do you see the product continuing to evolve and, and what, do, like, what does it look like in a couple of years' time in your view? There's great work that's going to be done on, we'll say three pieces that are really going to change how companies can use it and really start to fill in these big gaps of things that 
global companies, enterprise companies, some of these larger companies have issues with. One of them is the workflow builder, right? Right now, historically, for those who don't know, it was a product that Slack actually acquired from a company. They didn't create this internally. It was something they bought and bolted on their product. It comes with two steps now. There are other apps that kind of plug into it. But what they're looking at here and piloting now is Workflow Builder 2.0. It comes with a lot more steps out of the box. There's modular functions. And then Workflow Builder 2.0 connects to the next generation development platform. So today, if you want to create a Slack app, you have to do infrastructure yourself. If you want a database, you have to do database yourself. So there's all these kind of blockers for custom products, custom development or apps that you want to build in your own workspace. In the future, there's a command line. You can literally run bots. Uh, there's t- Twitter posts out here. In under five seconds, you can spin up a bot and, and develop it and put it into your org all through the command line. Those two things together are going to make automation of processes incrementally more valuable and be able to open up a world of things. That's where I'm saying that vision has to be there because you have to start thinking, well, anything is possible if you think in APIs and you think of functions or modular workflow enhancements. Those are the two kind of big ones. And then Canvas is another big one that is coming out. I think Salesforce announced it either a world tour or I think Dreamforce last year. And it's a way to get all of your documentation in a channel in one single place, be able to launch triggers and workflows off of it. Because now, right, what we hear a lot from customers, and I'm sure you've heard it if you've, you've talked to other people in Slack, I don't know where this is. Where is that file? Where do I find this? So there is a bookmark bar at the top that's very, I would say we go into customer orgs and typically not that used. This is going to provide a nice visual place for you to put documents, videos. So when someone lands in your channel, you don't have to sync with them. You say, hey, go check out the canvas. It has everything you need and you can go from there. So automation wise and finding information will be the two big pieces, improvements that we see now. And that's just in, those are things that are expected this year. Beyond that, I think it's wide open. And I think the big piece that we'll continue to see, and we've talked about is integration with other systems and making it actually not just notification-based, make it valuable and, and functional. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all exciting. And I think it's really interesting. You're obviously at the very beginning of this whole Slack consulting piece in terms of your own business, but also the opportunity. And I think, like you said, the, the opportunity is evolving and um, and it's definitely something that more people should be taking notice of in terms of, um, you know, broadening their skill set if they're working on the Salesforce platform or, you know, if they're working in a, a company that uses Slack but aren't using it to their full potential because there's definitely going to be further career opportunities coming out of it. Absolutely. So uh, in terms of being a business owner now, you've worked for, in consulting, you've worked in product, and now this is your um, entrepreneurial journey getting started. So how are you finding it? How do you enjoy being a business owner? And, and what do you hope the future looks like? Being consulting before, I was always on the, as a, a person in QA, I was always wondering, well, why did sales not sell more hours here? Why did they not do this? And now as a business owner, I'm like, okay, well, I know why they did that because they needed to sell the deal and, and help the customer. And there were things that, right? So there's there's this whole other part of sales and uh, marketing and, and deal that I never was privy to before. So there's a lot of learning there, building your brand, right? I'm happy to say it's working. That's how I ended up here talking to you today. And then so I think it's really exciting. It's great to kind of own your own destiny and, and be able to kind of push as hard as you want and also take it off a little bit when you want to. My hope for the future is to continue. One thing I've seen work really successfully and, and I, I would tell anyone out there is partnerships and networking. It was something that I looked at before in channel sales and, you know, we looked at email outreach tools to try to get like contacts or leads. 
nothing has worked as well as networking and partnerships. And that's something we really think is going to be big here in the future because of the fact Slack is such a niche. We don't expect that a lot of companies build out whole teams, whole big teams of Slack consultants. What they probably typically will do is look at companies who are, have Slack consulting like us and be able to kind of contract or work together partnerships. So I'm hoping I can do a lot to long-term grow the company of 21 beta consultants that other companies will want to leverage because we are, to your point earlier, the experts on this. No one does this 24-7 like we do. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, I, I've really enjoyed hearing more about this world and uh, I'm really excited to see how it continues evolving. And hopefully uh, in the coming weeks, months and years, I'll be able to see my uh, my marketing automation report in Slack. I'm sure I will based on uh, on what you're saying. And if anyone's listening and wants to hear more or pick your brains, maybe look at partnerships, things like that, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, you can find me at uh, daniel at 21b.app. Again, if you want to Slack connect me, you can. I'm open to Slack connect request that way. If not, the website 21b.app, we have a contact form. That's probably the second best way. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on, Ben. So that's a wrap for this week's episode. And thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And if you did, please make sure you have subscribed for future episodes that are coming through. I would also be very grateful if you would consider leaving a review on your chosen podcast platform as five-star reviews will help us to reach more trailblazers from across the world. I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon and thanks again.